You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Flying false flags and borrowing someone else's attack tools as the mast you run them up. The Pensacola cyber attack has been identified as involving maze ransomware. China moves towards building its own autarkic operating system. U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee hearings take an anti-encryption turn. TrickBot is fishing with payroll fishbait. And Krampus Malware is punishing iPhone users as they shop during the holidays. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, sitting in for Dave Bittner, I'm Bennett Moe with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, December 12, 2019. Attribution is difficult enough under the best of conditions, and it becomes even more challenging when the pirates, the privateers, and the nation-states' virtual men-of-war fly false flags. So much attribution depends on an accumulation of circumstantial evidence that, for example, code reuse or employment of a certain command and control server might easily lead one astray. One example of false flagging is the use by Russian security and intelligence agencies of Iranian cyber-attack tools and infrastructure. Recorded Future has been watching how that has played out and this morning published an update on what it's calling Operation Gamework, a report on how that hijacking has proceeded. Three Iranian threat actors have had their operation kit co-opted by a group Recorded Future's Insect group tracks as Blue Alpha. The first two Iranian operators are APT-33, also known as Elfin, and APT-35, or if you prefer, Charming Kitten, both of which are directed by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. The third is the group tracked as Muddy Water, whose right place in the organizational charts is less clear, but which by general consensus is held to be working for Tehran. Recorded Future has seen convincing signs that Blue Alpha's activities show considerable overlap with the Gamaradan group, which itself has been tied to attacks against Ukrainian targets, and which the Ukrainian Security Service has linked to Russia's FSB, that country's federal security service. Recorded Future's conclusion is that Blue Alpha is itself an FSB operation, and that it succeeded in getting its hands on Muddy Water, Elfin, and Charming Kitten, probably without Tehran's cooperation and possibly without Tehran's knowledge. Why would FSB bother with this? For several reasons. They've apparently already compromised Iran's operators with implants into their tools and infrastructure, which makes Iran's APTs both available and accessible. They're also convenient. Tehran has taken considerable trouble to direct successful cyber operations against its principal regional rival, Saudi Arabia, and Russia is interested in the Saudis as well. And finally, of course, using someone else's kit makes it easier to fly a false flag. 
One of the famous Russian threat groups that's been associated with the FSB is, of course, Cozy Bear. Famous as the outfit that first made inroads into the networks of U.S. political parties during the last presidential election cycle. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement has sent out a notification that the cyber attack the city of Pensacola sustained on December 7th was, in fact, a ransomware attack. Ars Technica says that the ransomware was a variant of Maze, a strain that came to prominence earlier this year in attacks against Italian targets. It was apparently a broad targeted phishing attack that led to the infection. The criminals prospect a large number of email addresses with spam. When they get beaconed that someone has clicked a link, they see if the organization the clicker belongs to is likely to be first, deep-pocketed, and second, poorly prepared. If the answer to both is yes, then the attack proceeds in a more focused and determined way. It seems, by the way, that early speculation about the possible connection with the terrorist murders at the Pensacola Naval Air Station and the cyber attack was unfounded. That the shootings and the cyber attack occurred within hours of one another appears to be mere coincidence. There's been a lot of discussion lately about cloud security, so Dave Bittner spoke with Dean Sisman, CEO and co-founder of Exonus, about the challenges of securing S3 buckets. Here's Dean. So it all starts from when we moved from the on-premise or the high-perimeter type of security to the cloud and the no-perimeter type of security, there are two major shifts that are causing the change in security that we're seeing as applied to S3 buckets. One is that uh, the environment can be accessed from anywhere, right? So uh, somebody can go online and, and access the cloud environment, even in an authenticated manner from a Starbucks Wi-Fi. Right? And the second aspect is that the environment is extremely dynamic. So most of the time, it's not even people who create the assets. It's code that's written by developers or architects or, or whatever it is. So when we think about the storage aspect, which is what S3 is of, of Amazon Cloud, or this is true for, for everything, if you look at the security team, their ability to keep track of which storage buckets and which access points their organization has becomes extremely difficult because it's no longer able to do it manually. So what ends up happening is there are a lot of just publicly open storage buckets. And these are just, you know, lists of files that anybody can access online. And nobody figured out that these should not have publicly accessible access. And so what's the solution here? How do we face this one? Like, uh, like all things, it all starts with uh, understanding what you have. We're in a very dynamic environment. The first step is to say, if now we're automating the provisioning of this environment or we're automating the access of it, we should be also automating the visibility and monitoring of it. There should be some form of tool or some form of automation that constantly keep track of which S3 buckets we're utilizing, which ones are being created, which ones are being accessed, and then apply the correct security policy to it. Now, when these buckets end up being exposed, what typically has happened? Is it an initial configuration flaw? Is it that something's changed along the way? Uh, it could be a number of things, and I don't have the statistics, but I'd say one of the most common ones is just that uh, nobody's just keeping track of it. It's a mis miscommunication between the people who are setting these up, who usually just care about, you know, achieving some form of task in their jobs and uh, security who are unaware of the fact that somebody spun up all these storage options and they just don't know that that it's happened. By default, usually the access uh, becomes public and then nobody's aware of the fact that there could be a lot of confidential information in there. 
Um, and what usually ends up is there are a lot of uh, both hackers and just other bodies who scan, you know, the, the range of the S3 buckets and start looking for information that could be confidential or, or shouldn't be publicly accessible. And very quickly, they find these leaks and, and breaches end up happening. So what are your recommendations for folks to stay on top of this? How do they come at it? Yeah, so I would say if you have a very build-focused team, as in you'd rather build your own tools or build your own monitoring, you have to automate the process of monitoring and maybe even approving the the creation of S3 buckets. I mean, there are a lot of online guides on how to do that using AWS console. But if you're more of a buy mentality or you just you decided this is a problem, you don't want to focus your time and resources on, then there are a lot of tools out there that just help you cover and understand what your assets are in the cloud, S3 buckets among them. And uh, I wouldn't want to mention any specific ones, but but obviously that would be the best way to just make sure that, that you're constantly monitoring and this doesn't happen. One of the things that we don't cover enough in the media when we talk about these things is how hard the jobs have become on, on the, you know, the people who are trying to defend us, right? And I'll explain what I mean is that it's very sexy to, to say, okay, this breach happened. Uh, this is a disaster, right? Like the negative emotions coming from this publication is very strong. But one of the things we're not talking about enough is how organizations have moved very quickly to embrace technology while not realizing the cost associated with making it safe. And the best analogy that I have is if you would have taken a Ferrari and used, uh, you know, the brakes from uh, a Chevy or like, a, you know, a 50-year-old car, nobody will want to drive that car, right? Because it, it's so powerful and the engine is so strong, you have to have the, the brakes that fit um, the speed of that car. And, and same goes for cybersecurity. Organizations are utilizing more and more technology in order to become more effective and, and more successful. But they don't understand the implications of how much investment you have to make in the security side of it to account for those advancements. That's Dean Sisman from Exonus. China's approach to internet sovereignty proceeds. Computing reports that Tianjin Kailin Information, or TKI, and China Standard Software, also known as CSS, have formed a joint venture to produce a domestic operating system. The two companies are making their own contribution to Beijing's push towards information autarky. Forbes summarized yesterday's hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee and sees the U.S. Senate's sympathies shifting towards the Justice Department's restrictive position on encryption. Quote, it ain't complicated for me, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina and chair of the committee, told representatives of Facebook and Apple who were in attendance. He explained, quote, you're going to find a way to do this or we're going to do it for you, unquote. That's probably more huffing and puffing than it is firm legislative agenda, but it does suggest some movement against permitting companies to use strong end-to-end encryption in their products. Finding a way around strong encryption has been a matter of interest to the U.S. Justice Department since the previous administration, at least, where former FBI Director Comey was the public face of a push towards ordered liberty, that is, for giving investigators means of reading private encrypted traffic when circumstances warranted it. To be sure, Justice has always argued that such an ability would be hedged about with appropriate oversight and safeguards consistent with constitutionally guaranteed rights. That's the liberty part in the ordered liberty. But the other side in the crypto wars hasn't found that entirely reassuring. It may have become less reassuring after the report of the Justice Department's Inspector General on the slipshod execution and oversight found in the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation into possible Russian influence in the 2016 Trump campaign. But justice may have found its persuasive heavy artillery in child protection. 
For a long time, the biggest gun in advocacy is rhetorical battery. It's hard to close your ears to the guns when they're barking on behalf of the children. And, in fact, we're hearing a similar preparatory bombardment from across the Atlantic, where the Home Secretary is laying down a child safety barrage in Westminster's debates over encryption. TrickBot, even after it's apparently been hired by Pyongyang's hacker masters, has continued its fishy ways. IBM reminds us that payroll-themed spam is spreading the malware. Be skeptical and think before you click. Not everything that looks like payroll is really payroll. Sure, we all want to be paid, but don't let greed and fear overwhelm good judgment. And finally, the Media Trust has found a malicious campaign they're calling Krampus 3PC, named after the scary anti-Saint Nicholas of Central European folklore who visits households not with gifts and good cheer, but with punishment for misbehaving children. Krampus uses a redundant redirection mechanism to more effectively collect personal information. The campaign targets iPhone users, and whether they've been naughty or nice doesn't matter to this Krampus, as long as they've been out shopping. Krampus operates mostly from compromised news sites, and its immediate bait is a pop-up coupon for discounts at a retailer. Click, and it's got you. Maybe your credit card, probably your phone number, and probably your geolocation, too. And again, if you must shop, then shop you must, but think before you click. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Dave also spoke with our newest CyberWire partner, Tom Etheridge, VP of Services at CrowdStrike. I wanted to uh, start out by just uh, spending a little time to get to know you a little bit, introduce you to our audience. Can you take us through uh, what your professional journey has been like, how you got your start, and what led you to where you are today? Certainly. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. My background is that I've spent probably the better part of 20 years uh, working building services organizations for security software companies. I'm a three and a half year veteran here at CrowdStrike. 
Prior to that, I've built services organizations for security technology companies such as ArcSight, Imperva, uh, NetTegrity, and really my focus has been around building scalable, impactful, customer-focused services organizations that help clients uplift their existing capabilities around cyber security and protection of their critical assets. Started my career in consulting, actually, prior to joining NetTegrity back in early 2000 timeframe. I worked for about seven or eight years at KPMG, cutting my teeth, working primarily in the government, federal government and DOD space, providing all different types of consulting services to clients. And at that time, the security market space was really focused around network security, perimeter defense. As I started to evaluate opportunities to look at moving into that space, a lot of technology companies were building uh, more robust technologies and capabilities to help clients secure their overall critical infrastructure. And that's when I decided to move uh, into that market space, which was really at its infancy back then. So what is your day-to-day like these days at CrowdStrike? So we are a very busy uh, company, and I run a very busy services organization. Our primary focus is providing incident response and forensic services to folks that have been victimized by uh, some of these cyber incidents in the market. We also run more of a proactive advisory services practice as well that does everything from providing incident preparation and planning services, testing and uh, technical assessment services to ensure organizations have the right tools and technologies and people and processes in place to improve their overall visibility, preparedness, and ability to respond to breaches. We do a lot of work uh, globally. I have a global responsibility. And uh, the business that we're in is obviously growing, uh, a growth business. We have a a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of uh, victim organizations that reach out to us and ask for support in helping helping them solve these really complicated problems. How would you describe your own leadership style? As as you're heading up a team that has a global reach, how do you go about that? Well, I'm a big believer in hiring the right people with the right skill set, but also the right motivations. We're a very mission-focused organization, and we embed that in our recruiting and our sourcing of talented people to come join our team. I'm also a firm believer in empowerment and enabling employees to bring their unique skills and experiences to the table. We try to operate in a very transparent and open environment and putting people in positions where they can be successful and help us scale and deliver successful engagements to our clients, I think is part of what we eat, sleep and drink every single day. Well, Tom Etheridge, uh, thanks so much for joining us here at the CyberWire. We're looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you in the days to come. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.